Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 16th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 11, paragraph 4, starting with Had This Power. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Marietta, 12 Traditions, Janice, and we have Katie F, Esther C, Du, and Nancy T. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, January 16th, is 5776. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Uh, Marietta from Virginia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Prayed only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And have a blessed day, and thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Marietta. I will now ask Janice M. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Well, thank you, and good morning to you, um, Katie, and um, Vision for You. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups, or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Janice. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the book mean to us. To share, please press star 1 to unmute. Once you have done share, once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be moderate, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 11, paragraph Four, have this power originated in him. And I will ask Katie F. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Katie in Virginia, recovered compulsive overeater. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was at me 
in me at that minute, and this was none at all. That floored me. Began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted, great tidings. And, you know, this, um, Ebby is a messenger here. He's carrying a message um, that he has recovered, and Bill had known him to be as bad a drunk as he was. So, you know, I had the same experience where I went to a meeting, and I had been going to meetings for six years. But for some reason, when at this meeting, at this particular time, when people shouted great tidings, I believed them. And I was willing to do what they told me to do. Now, are those same people shouting great tidings today? I have no idea. I only know where one of them is out of, you know, a room of 15 people. Because it wasn't the person. It wasn't the person that saved me. It was the message, not the messenger. And, you know, as it happens, that is the case here. Ebby is not the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Ebby did not make it. So, you know, it just is a a reminder to me to not, um, you know, put my, uh, all my hope and faith in, you know, the, the great people on this line or, you know, my sponsor or a particular uh, speaker or leader, that my relationship is with God, that it's God who has given me this miracle, and it's God who sustains me one day at a time. And, um, yes, we, we all want to be those messengers. I want to, to shout great tidings that you, too, can recover if you are new to this line. I am telling you, you can get through anything and stay in this program um, one day at a time. And, you know, this is a miracle that is happening for Bill, and it's available to us today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And just a quick reminder, if you're not reading or sharing, if you wouldn't mind staying muted um, until now, which is um, I'd like to ask anybody who would like to share on what was read to please press star one. Paula, may I share? Okay, Maria. So the first, so I heard Paula and I Lorna heard Maria. Nope. Lorna from Pittsburgh. Okay, so Paula and Maria and Lauren. Was there anybody else? Okay, Paula, you're on deck. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for your service, Katie G. And this would be Paula D from uh, today, uh, Florida coming to a recovered compulsive reader, and we come here, and I want to look at a line here. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. How were they revised? I wonder sometimes, as I look here at these lines and we see the word miracles, was it the miracle that happened in the human heart Was it the miracle that propelled this man to seek out another? 
Was that not even there, a miracle presented? And that's where Bill W. sat. And he said, drastically revised right then. You know, we talk about miracles happening, but he didn't look at the past. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. And, you know, we come to this line from a phone call, just a simple phone call. And then it went on and on. And here he realized this was a miracle. And could he have this too? Wow. There it stops. And yet it starts. He shouted, great tidings. Great they were. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula and Maria. Good, <clears throat> good morning. This is Maria in Ohio. This paragraph really jumps out at me because not only is there a miracle that Bill felt with seeing someone else who is different now, but it has also changed not only his perception of miracles, but also his perception of religion. He doesn't state that here explicitly, but it is only three paragraphs before where his perspective of religion is a very uh, dark one, very dark and deep, and he knows that uh, his bedevilments have uh, put him under the power of the devil, and he sees the world religions as having caused only bad things. And here, he has done a total flip. He's totally floored, where he sees that something has happened in the human heart that only, um, he doesn't name it yet, other than calling it a miracle, but um, he sees that something miraculous has happened. And I also think about the miracle in my life that I know that for uh, 12 years I was struggling with abstinence, but as many people on this line say, you know, stark raving abstinence, and I was sponsoring for that as well. And today it's, it's much different. You know, it, it's recovery. It's recovery that I feel and that is nothing short of a miracle because I've been able to find that, um, you know, coming face-to-face with my powerlessness. I, too, felt hopeless. Like Bill, I, I, I had hit bottom in the beginning of this year when I finally took back sugar, and, and it was it was awful. But, um, you know, with Vision for You, I have seen something very different, and I've experienced a miracle as well. And today I am, I am recovered. And the, the last thing I want to say is about <clears throat> flooring people. Um, you know, I had not seen my son for several months. He lives in a different state. And when he was home uh, last and... You know, I didn't think my behavior was different, but at, you know, one day into his trip, he just stopped cold and he said, what happened to you? Who are you? 
And, you know, I just smiled and, you know, gone was the controlling person, the uh, person that he had grown up with. And, um, you know, life is just so much better today. And I attribute it to going through this book, having a loving sponsor in Vision for You. And I've had many sponsors before. Well, not many, but I've had them before. But but this time it is so, so different that, yes, I too am floored. And I'm uh, humble and grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you, Maria. And Lauren. Thank you. Lauren S. Pittsburgh recovered from compulsive of reading. Okay. Before I start again, what helped me go through this text was realizing by the workshop I went through, Bill's recovery started on page nine, and from that page forth, I was to look at my willingness by underlining anything that I was not willing to do that Bill did to recover. As well, I turned statements into questions. I turned statements into questions. So have I experienced something like that where I saw a miracle like Ebby? And on page nine, on the first paragraph, it says, the door opened and he stood there, fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. There was something unexplainably different. What had, what had happened? And I, I looked up the word miracle, and it is, it's beautiful. The definition, one of them is to excite admiring awe. The second definition is occurs unexplainable by laws of nature and is held to be supernatural or an act of God. And I'm under the impression that those definitions are similar to the ones Bill would have used in the 30s. So, and again, the word floored, to stun, to overwhelm. The language suggests that even though I was a a woman of science and uh, synthetic knowledge coming, I had experienced miracles that I could not explain. And one, one example, one example that helped me in my second step was love. Why would I throw myself under a bridge, why would I sacrifice my life for my parents, for my siblings? That goes against the laws of nature. I was born with these human instincts, which are to survive, reproduce, pass on my genes, and then eventually I'll I'll pass away. Those are my laws of nature in my genes. Why would I have sacrificed that nature for another person. That's unexplainable to me. And here, Bill sees a miracle that he cannot explain. He cannot explain it. But it's there. It's, it's, it's a practical experience. Oh, thanks, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Lauren. And this is Katie G. I'm just going to share really quick on something that occurred to me when the previous speakers were sharing, and that was <clears throat> I love the way all of a sudden Bill gets included, right? So for me, for a really long time in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I heard about miracles um, in the rooms of other 12-step programs. I heard messages of death and weight around the steps. Um, but I didn't know that I, too, could be included. And I love this line, never mind the musty past. I remember calling an overeater and sobbing hysterically because I said to her, if anyone were to find out about me, what I have done in my sex conduct, they could never love me. If you knew who I was, you could never love me. And what I, what I didn't yet feel was that a power greater than me could break me open, could break this low-bottom, compulsive overeater open who weighed 228 pounds, 110 pounds, and then got stark raving abstinent and followed an, a really helpful meal, food plan but didn't know where God was, couldn't find God because I didn't follow the instructions. And what I love about this is that in Bill seeing one of his friends that, you know, no more power in him there than there was in me, and that was none at all. And yet it had happened to him. You know, here was something at work in the human heart that has done the, the impossible, and I am here to testify, to say when I took my fifth step, I felt like I was the Grinch, right? Like I felt like my heart had gone from the size of a golf ball to the size of a, a you know, huge, for lack of a better word, a bowling ball, you know, that I had just grown, that, that God had entered into my heart. And the most powerful thing is that he entered in, into my heart when I looked at the manifestations of self. Where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid? Where was I relying on self? And with God's help, I looked at that. I took stop and looked at how the, the, the decisions, the life based on Katie does not work and that my life could be drastically revived in moving forward with abstinence and the 12 steps. And it is such a miraculous life today. No matter who you are, you have a place in our room. No matter what you've done, me too. You have a place in our room. So I just want to say welcome to everyone. And with that, I pass. And would anyone else like to share before we move on to the next paragraph? Hi, this is Lisa. Lisa, please go ahead. I really love this because here was something at work in the human heart which had done the impossible. And I think with me, I've been um, abstinent for six years, but still I have things in my human heart that need to be worked on. And the fact that people are are doing this and that they're miracles, they're, they're living and walking miracles, that gives me so much hope because I feel sometimes that my own character defects just scream across the room at others. And here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted, he shouted great tidings and those that are doing um, service on the lines, you guys are shouting great tidings. And I, I do want to say something about Abby, that he did die sober. He lived at the farm of the McPhees for two years, and they were having constant you know, AA meetings and stuff. So he did die sober. 
and I'm thinking about my life, and the, the, there is there's great hope now. I can do what you guys have done, and and reading the big book, um, I can see more and more how my character defects. They get in the way when I don't surrender my will to God, when I don't listen to His will, and when I'm trying to fix and. And, and my codependency just is amazingly strong. But as long as I'm doing the work, staying abstinent, I can help others through the big book step study process. And just so grateful that the, there's miracles today in 2014, and I'm hearing it on the line today, and I'm really grateful. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Um, anyone else like to share before we move on to the next paragraph? This is Larry. Larry, please go ahead. Hi, this is Larry, uh, a covered compulsive reader from Chicago. Just uh, quickly, I think every thing that's been said resonates with me. Um, again, this is, um, you know, it's 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 a great uh, miracle in my life. It's uh, it's just a daily reprieve, um, and 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 like Bill, you know, and like so many others that follow this path. What it is for me is I will never have an experience outside the human experience, and I'm an imperfect human being. So I think one of the things early on for me was, was just uh, perhaps a kind of uh, an expectation that somehow I would, you know, I would would get some, you know, some place of perfection in some way. You know, that that if the food was down, that my life would be would be perfect. You know. Um, probably wouldn't have articulated it that way. But that's kind of, you know, looking back, that's kind of the feeling I think I was I was having. And, and life is just not like that. I know people in programs that are feeling, you know, I've heard it said calamity is either in your life now or it's on its way. And I say that with great hope because so too is the, is the ability through God's the great to transcend that calamity. It's not a message of pessimism at all. We all have challenges in life. I know I do every day. It's unpredictable what will happen to me today. Just quickly, today, I brought my daughter. My daughter's a senior in high school. I brought her um, some, uh, uh, some things from Starbucks <clears throat> breakfast, okay? And the thing was is um, they gave me the wrong thing. And she has a peanut allergy. And I ordered a certain thing, and I, I didn't, you know, see it. It was kind of dark and so forth. I gave it to her, as I've done hundreds of times, you know, literally. And um, and she noticed something was different. I went in there. But here's the, here's the miracle of it. And it did have some nuts. And, she, you know, thankfully, she only took one bite. She probably didn't get any. They, in the past, I would have just been so angry. And, of course, I would have dealt with whatever, whatever issues. I would have been so angry. How dare them? They made a mistake. They're human beings. No one intended. I didn't intend, you know, uh, they didn't intend anything bad. Where did that come from? That came from the spiritual transformation by working these steps. I know it's so. I know it's so. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much. Larry, and we're going to move on. Esther, um, could you please begin our next paragraph, starting with, I saw that. Good morning. My name is Esther C., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Canada. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped new soil. 
So what Bill noticed is that Evie wasn't just sober, but there was something different about him. Even, you know, we read back on page 9 when Evie had walked in, Bill there writes, there was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. And now that Evie has had the opportunity to talk for a few hours, Bill could sense that there had been some deep internal change in his friend, that, as he says, his roots grasped new soil, meaning that he was being nourished by a new source, a higher power. That was his nourishment now. Previously, he had a diseased mind. A diseased mind produces a diseased life. Diseased soil produces a diseased plant. And here, Bill saw that something was different. I'm sure that had I decided to approach my weight problem with a diet, even even one that where there was a support group or a little therapy on the side, I don't know, yoga, I'm, I'm sure that I would have felt better. I probably would have looked better. I'm sure I would have felt better and different. But this multi-pronged approach didn't work for me to rid me of the obsession of food because that that's the same soil. That's that's me being driven by my power, my abilities, my best thinking. This program of recovery allows us to do something different. My personality, you know, which is made up of my feelings, my actions, etc., they're now nourished by a new source. By making a decision to live life according to the will of my higher power, which for me is a life based on spiritual principles, I become a different person. And I think that this is the attraction of a 12-step program, because as people become transformed, their lives changed, and the lives of their families, everyone out there, people, doctors, clergymen, they sit up and take notice and say, hey, this is different. This is not all about just losing weight. This is different. And so here in Bill's kitchen on that bleak November day, he saw something different. He saw he saw some real change, and that's why, despite his feelings about religion, that he is willing to consider what he, what Evie is saying, and he's beginning the process of coming to believe in a power greater than himself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. And who would like to share on what was read? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Morning, Katie. Morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped new soil. You know, we're, we're being told that what we need to recover is a transformation of thought and action. It's not a tweak. It's not a subtle change. It's a transformation. It's a revolutionary change. It's a total upheaval. You know, for years in OA, what I tried to do was I tried to change only while I was in their meetings. Or I tried to change only with you OA people that understood me. And then I would go out and I would wreak havoc on the rest of the world. And I would wonder why I would pick up again. So he was on a different footing. He now was saying that God came first in his life. And that was his director. God was the principal. He was his agent. God was the father. He was his son. That's the new attitude that Ebby had And that was the transformation that Bill was witnessing. That was what was shouting great tidings. Now, the roots grass new soil, one of the ways I think about it now is being from New Jersey and having experienced Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy, whatever you want to call it, in 2012. You know, I live in a very old neighborhood. I have houses on my street that are actually from the 1700s and trees that are hundreds of years old. And I remember hunkering down in my house while that storm was coming through. And when I walked out, 
my jaw dropping to the ground because it wasn't just that trees snapped. Trees had been pulled over from their roots. There was so much moisture in the ground. That storm had saturated the ground so much that when the wind pulled, it pulled the tree out, root and branch, because it could no longer hold in. That is what happens to me when I don't ground myself with my higher power. If I am watering down this program saying, you know what, I'm on vacation. I don't really need to pay attention to these steps. Or you know what, I'm going to a wedding. I can disregard everything that I've done. Or you know what, I'm in a new relationship. This guy is so wonderful. I don't need the 12 steps anymore. That ground is going to get more and more saturated. And the more that my life is based on self and not on God, the more likely when life happens, not if life happens, but when life happens, I'm going to be pulled over because my roots will not be able to grasp anything because the ground is so saturated. So that is what this program is about. We get through steps one through nine to establish that relationship with God. We have a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. And if that was true, we would have so many recovered members in OA, it would be amazing. But the problem is if we don't make this a way of life, if we don't live in 10, 11, 12 on a daily basis, life will come at us and life will take us down. Living in these steps is the art of living life undisturbed. Because we are told in this book that resentment and anger is the dubious luxury of normal men. I don't have the luxury of having a resentment come up and just wallowing in it. I don't have the option of justified anger. I don't have the option today of being right. I live my life right fighting. I don't have that option anymore. I live life today on a different footing with my roots grafting a new soil. And because of that, I am able to live a life which is beyond my wildest dream. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And who else would like to share on what was read? This is Sue. Leia. Okay, I have Dew and then Leia, please. Good morning. This is Dew, Recover Compulsive Overeater. I love what it says here. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing or a different basis. And, you know, when, when I think about that, I think about the reorganization. What does that look like? Verse, um, page 27 of the big book, it says that to have a vital spiritual experience, um, it, it says to these occurrences and phenomenon, they appear to be in nature of a huge emotional displacement and rearrangement. What is displacement and rearrangement? That the old gets discarded and the new comes in. And then it says, you know, ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were once the guiding forces of our lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, and a new, completely set of new conceptions, motives begin to dominate them. And that's what he saw in his friend, um, Abby, that, you know, that there was something new about him. You know, there was something that was, you know, not just the outward appearance, but the way he was thinking, the way he was talking, the way he was reasoning with Phil was new. You know, the fact that he showed that he had something different about him. 
you know, and that's 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 when we know we're having our our spiritual experiences because there's change. <laughs> there's change. If nothing's changing, if you're not getting results, then you're not having that experience. And you know, and it says here that that in order to have that experience, there has to be change. There has to be some results. And um, and that's what I see here. That you know, when we go through the program of recovery. You know, as we're working the steps, as we're um, changing, you know, um, having that new conception in our lives, uh, that there will be some results and there will be a change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. And Leah. Thank you so much. I saw that my friend... Good morning, everybody. By the way, my name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive over a year. Thank you for your service, Katie G. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, a spiritual awakening, you know, I think about the appendix in the back of the book where it states that, you know, he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. Um, You know, this program of recovery, the whole journey through the steps takes us to step 12. The whole point of being here every morning and the whole point of uh, independently pressing ourselves into these steps is contained in those two words, spiritual awakening. The steps are designed to do one thing, and that's to cause the spiritual awakening, a profound personality change, more than just reorganization. Yes, a different footing. Yes, um, we are dominated by, governed by something new, beyond the intellect, beyond the ego, beyond feelings and emotions, governed by a power greater than ourselves. Um, You know, I am not what I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. I have been born again, not in body, obviously, but in my mind, where my old ideas, emotions, and attitudes, my positioning in life... um, when I arrived, have been cast aside and a whole new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes now dominate me. These steps have rehabilitated me completely. Steps 1, 2, and 3 rehabilitated uh, my positioning with God, meaning there is a God and I'm not it. Steps 4, 5, 6, and 7 rehabilitated my mind. Steps 8 and 9 rehabilitated my relationship with other people. So, um, you know, when I share my story with a still-suffering compulsive overeater, it is so hard for them to believe that I came from where I came from, that I used to live the way I used to live, that I felt and acted the way I used to feel and act. What a tribute that is to these steps. Because I assure them I look exactly like my story, and yet I am totally reborn through this program. I had no tools for living. These 12 steps are designed for living. They're a set of principles that taught me how a human being should live. I was a broken shell of a young woman when I came here. 
And someone sat across from me and shouted great tidings and gave me the message of hope that if I could live by these principles, then I could be peaceful and content and I would be on different footing. My roots would grasp a new soil. I would be free from the things that used to enslave me and make my life miserable. And instead of plumbing the depths into the madness of what was compulsive overeating, I could, through these action steps, plumb the depths of my disturbances and those impediments that blocked me from a power greater than myself. And that's exactly what happened. This spiritual awakening changed me, so now I have the capacity and the willingness and the desire to live my life as an expression of God's will to the best of my ability. You know, this is not something of me. <laughs> this is not anything about uh, personal success or personal power. This is what happens when you come here crushed and beaten and, and you allow God's grace to make something of that failure. This is not about material. This is not physical. Uh, it goes beyond those things. It goes into the fourth dimension. It's the world of the spirit. It's a mystery. But it is a result of a wonderful dance of, of willingness <laughs> and God's grace. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And would anyone else like to share before we move on? This is Nancy. This is Sharon in Colorado. Sure. We have Nancy and then Sharon in Colorado, please. Nancy, you are first, and then we'll have Sharon. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, everybody. Nancy, compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Grateful to be on the call this morning. Um, what a better way to start my day. You know, I find it interesting um, that, you know, they're describing Bill is noticing the change in Ebby here. And, of course, that's because he knew Ebby before. Um, when Ebby was drinking, they were drinking buddies, and so he knew him well. So the change was apparent. And I was thinking to myself as I listened to people share, um, my change happened later. It wasn't an immediate thing. But then it hit me as as I was reading this paragraph again. When I was um, when I was approached with this message, it was by somebody I didn't know. And so I think Leah just indicated, you know, it's hard for people that when she works with a newcomer, it's hard for them to know um, what her life used to be like because she's so different now. And so when I was approached, I was approached by somebody whose life was completely different now, but I didn't necessarily know that because I didn't know them before. And I was just, you know, I just point that out because I asked myself, for me and my experience, was that part of my stumbling block because, and Bill hasn't got there yet, he gets there in the next couple paragraphs, so I don't want to jump ahead too much, but because of my past spiritual experiences, my childhood religion that I grew up with, it was difficult. I believed in God, but I didn't necessarily believe that God could bring about the type of change that Bill was seeing in Abby. However, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? And so I have since experienced the change that Bill now sees in Abby, and I can tell you that I get similar um, similar comments from people. That's what's happened to you, um, and it's not just with how I eat. 
and that um, I've lost over 200 pounds. That doesn't, that doesn't, they're not talking about that. It's me and how I react. I'm a very impulsive, compulsive, immediate gratification type of gal and very high strung, very high energy. And so if I can face a situation and remain calm, people are like, whoa, you know, because that is a change. That is the spiritual change that has happened within me is the ability to stay calm in a stressful situation. Or if I have a face a situation that I don't know what to do, I can pause. That is not me. I have better relationships with people. I'm able to give something in relationships today rather than just take it away. And um, what can I get from this? What can I get from this? Do I do this perfectly every single day? Absolutely not. I have a daily reprieve. Do I still sometimes get up and rush into my day and forget to take time for prayer and meditation? I do. And I feel horrible for it, but I'm human and it happens. And um, I'm grateful for the God of my understanding who knows my heart. He knows my heart. So he knows that my motives are pure. That is the difference today. My motives are pure. I, I truly have a genuine desire to um, look for ways that I can be of service. And boy, that was an area I had to fake it till I made it because being of service didn't come naturally to me. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's kind of funny because people will tell me today I'm such a giving person, but that is not who I used to be. I was a taker. And so um, those are the types of things I'm contemplating in this short little paragraph. It's, there's a lot there, though. You know, Bill is witnessing the spiritual transformation that happened in his friend, Ebby, and he's starting to ask himself some hard questions that are going to come up here in the next few paragraphs. So um, I always love to say, you know, more is going to be revealed here. So thank you all for being here. Um, I'm grateful. I'll take another 24, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And Sharon. Hi, Katie. This is Sharon. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. And thank you for your service. And hello to everyone out on the line. And, oh, gosh, I've just heard so many great things today. And um, I am Sharon H. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And uh, I just wanted to uh, talk about that, that one line in the paragraph before. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. And, you know, that's what happens to us. I, in going through these steps, uh, I just saw how my whole life was, um, people were my higher power, food was my higher power, almost everything but God was my higher power. And yet I thought I had a deep, solid belief in God, but I didn't trust in God. So when he reached into this human heart, this human heart, it changed my mind. And that is a miracle. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I am so grateful for that. And I also know that, you know, I still get restless, irritable, and discontent. I had to do a lot of writing yesterday on those things, just trivial things, uh, just trivial things that were, you know, bugging me. And it always comes up to that expectations and disappointments. Well, that clerk at that store, uh, she was uh, a little bit condescending. I didn't like that. And this and that and the other goes on and on. But when I get down and do those turnarounds and see that it's me it's my selfish, self-centered attitude towards other people 
and being very selective with uh, wanting grace for myself, but not for other people. I expect them to be exactly the way I want them to be. And I am just learning so much and understanding so much about this, and yet to know deep down inside that God loves me and he wants the best for me, whether um, you, regardless of what my circumstances are at any moment. And that's the miracle that's happening for me. And I'm so grateful. And I know my past. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. And I never thought that um, there could be a God that uh, would love me, that's for sure. And I sure didn't want to share it with anyone else so they could, you know, judge me. And um, so, you know, I'm just coming to understand how amazing, how amazing grace is and how amazing this program is if I just be quiet, set aside my old prejudices and old ideas, and just do the work as it's laid out in this book. And that's something that we can all do and reap the benefits of it and be able to help others then. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Sharon. And do we'll have you read the next paragraph, please, Despite the Living Example. Good morning. This is Do Recover Compulsive Overeater. Despite the living example of my friend, there remain in me the vestiges of old prejudice. The word God still rose a certain entity. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like that idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a Caesar of the heavens, however loving his way might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. Wow, this is um, so awesome because I relate so much to this. Um, you know, it talks about Bill here, you know, and he's he's having these old prejudices and these vestiges of uh, his old God, you know, and when we read Bill's story, we, we saw what that looked like, you know, that his grandfather was... Um, you know, um, kind of like talking to him about religion and, you know, what what his uh, temperance was towards the, the, the religion, that the, the fact that he didn't like the, um, the wars and the chicaneries and the disputes that were going on, you know. And so he, he didn't like the, the God that, that, uh, that was a personal God to him because he says when, when the thought was expressed that there might be a personal God to me, this, feeling intensified and like that idea. And, you know, on page 10, it talks about, you know, that, that um, he also talked that he was irritated with the idea of a personal God because as uh, who was love, superhuman strength and direction. And what I relate to Bill here is that I also had the conception, you know, I couldn't tolerate a personal God giving me direction. I couldn't uh, tolerate uh, the old God that I, I had uh, as far as uh, serving him. So what I came up with was electricity because that was doable for me. You know, it was a power that I could digest, I could relate to. But it was also an abstract God, you know, um, like like Bill's conception was a creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, which was an abstract God. Now, what he resisted was the thought of a Caesar of the heavens. And I looked this up, and a Caesar of the heavens is a king, emperor, 
one having great power or authority. And then as loving as his sway might be, and what is sway? It's to rule, influence, power, authority, to control, or to rule in governing. And that's what Bill was against. <laughs> Someone giving him direction. Someone that would he would have to submit to authority. And, you know, so it was very hard for Bill to digest that, you know, to digest that someone he had to submit to, someone that he wasn't approving of, someone that he was um, resentful towards even. And, and I remember thinking to myself when I was going through, through my step two that I had the same, same, same vestiges and prejudice towards the God that I grew up with because I was resentful. I was angry at God. I I didn't believe in the God that that was personal to me. So I decided to have an abstract God. Now, did that work for me? Of course it didn't. You know, um, as I went through the steps, that idea of that personal God changed for me. And so, you know, but I, I'm not going to go ahead of that, but I just wanted to make, make the point that, yes, you know, um, when we are prejudiced and when we are living by those vestiges of those old gods in our lives because they have failed us, then, you know, the big book is going to give us a way out of that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. And who else would like to share on what was read? This is Susan. Could I share? Okay. So I heard... Susan, and we have about two minutes. So um, I heard Susan for a, a two-minute share, please. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service, and good morning, everyone. Um, I guess what I'm struck by in this paragraph, that even though uh, Bill ultimately has a lightning bolt experience, uh, a spiritual experience which is different from my gradual awakening, i I'm realizing as we're reading this story in depth that his too is an awakening prior to that experience. It's a process, just like mine is a process. First, he had to set aside. First, he had to recognize that he had a lot of prejudices, as I needed to do. Then he needed to um, set these prejudices aside and open his mind and his heart so that so that God could could begin to to be there. Uh, obviously, there was a bunch of step work to do to um, to to let God fully uh, manifest in in his heart and and in his actions and in his life. And um, and I guess I'm just seeing that for me the key was and is to find that God that's personal to me, to ascribe qualities to that God of mine that might not be qualities that are necessary for you or you or you, and that that's what I need today. And as my program deepens uh, and as I change and and continue to become a new person, those qualities that I seek in God might change. And I'm open to that, but I know that that God needs to feel very personal, that what my sponsor's God or what your God looks like is not the God that, that, that's working for me on a day-to-day basis. And that's where, the, that's where the, the change came. Thanks so much. 
Thank you, Susan. And I want to thank everyone who has shared, uh, Marietta, Janice, Katie, Esther, Du, and Nancy. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And I would like to ask Nancy to please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Um, if you could please press star one. Thank you, Katie. This is Nancy, um, recovery compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Adarika.